joined today, guys. I'm back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today, it's Friday, so y'all know what that means. We got picks, everything coming. It's Friday, October 9th. Could not be more excited, guys. We got a great weekend of college football with tons of ranked matchups. Um, I will say this is not the best NFL matchups I've ever seen, but you know we can get by with what we got. Always thankful to have football. Um, I'm joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Woo, what's up, everybody? It's Friday. Let's have a good weekend. Hey, absolutely. But before we get rolling into all the big football matchups of the weekend, I mean, we got to talk a little baseball. Our Braves finally got the monkey off our back, got to the next round. Um, I even saw Dan Quinn wearing a Braves hat this morning. I'm, somebody needs to go over there and tell him to take that off. We don't need any of that Falcons curse or any of that bad juju on us. Ben, how excited were you yesterday? Oh, the smile has not left my face ever since. I mean, let me tell you this. I grew up in a massive baseball fan family. I mean, my grandmother has not missed a game on TV in probably 20-something years. She calls me after the game. We had an hour-long discussion. This is what my family has pride in. It's the Atlanta Braves, and they did it, TP. They have advanced to the NLCS. Bring on those Dodgers. Oh, yeah, I'm not even lying. It sent chills down my spine, man. I mean, when I first came up, like, baseball was the first sport that, like, really got me to ever want to play professional sports and to love sports, and that was me being a Braves fan. And, you know, we watched our Braves lose, what was it, 14 or 15 first-round matchups in a row? I mean... It was, it's it's an ugly number. Yeah. It is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't even want to think about what it was, but not only did we win our kind of, you know, first-round matchup that some could say didn't count, but we won our second one as well. We got to the... In LCS, I mean, I don't want to sit here, though, and say that I'm going to hang my hat only on that. Um, I mean, Ben, you think we got a shot against the Dodgers, man? I mean, I think at this point you make it to the Final Four, and I think anyone has a shot, right? I mean, this year has been crazy enough. Uh, This is the National League Championship Series that, you know, if you talk to anyone that really understands baseball, this is the matchup that baseball wants. It is the two best teams in the National League. Um the Braves, I mean, there's a lot of teams. You know, the Padres have great young talent. You know, the the Bra- I've always thought the Braves were the second best team, and you know, with you know, not even the bias, this Braves lineup is lethal. Uh, one through nine, it's really, really good. It might, it, it's one of the best in baseball. One through three, when you get Acuna, um, National League MVP, uh, Freddie Freeman, and then the Big Bear and uh, Marcelo Zuna. That's that's a gauntlet to get through. And you know what? It doesn't get much easier. You know, you go down, you get fourth, you get Travis Darno. Having a massive year. Yeah, and so it just doesn't get easier through this Braves lineup. And, you know, the the question mark about the Braves was the pitching. Well, I mean, Freed, Max Freed was the worst starter that the Braves threw out there in the playoffs so far. He had the worst start in this last round, and they still continue to sweep. The Braves, just like the Dodgers, are 5-0 in the the postseason. And I think they can keep this rolling. Now, I'm not going into the Dodgers series expecting the Braves to necessarily win. The Dodgers are a better team. I think that's obvious. But the Braves the entire season have shown that they can hit any single pitcher that is on that mound unless it's Jacob DeGrom, which nobody can really hit. They they smacked Garrett Cole around uh, – excuse me, Garrett Cole around. Um, and they face a lot of good pitchers within their division. And you know what? You know, we just talked about this before we recorded. Look at the pitchers the Braves have already faced. They faced Trevor Bauer, most likely going to win National League Cy Young. They faced Luis Castillo, solid pitcher. Then the Marlins, the three young guys, are all are all really good and looking like they're going to have bright futures. That's Sandy Alacantra, Pablo Lopez, and then the rookie Sixto Sanchez. Like you mentioned, all pitchers have an ERA below four. They're all quality pitchers. All the Braves did was go 5-0 and against all of them. You look at who the Dodgers faced, and it's not as quality of pitching, but it's the Dodgers. So I like where the Braves are at. Yeah, you know, I would say both these teams are a lot similar in the fact that they just have straight gauntlets you have to run through in their lineups. I mean, the Dodgers have freaking A.J. Pollock hitting seventh. On most other teams, he's batting third, cleanup, or second. And Bellinger, who just won MVP two years ago, hit sixth. It's unheard of to have an MVP hit sixth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it also helps, though, when you have Mookie Betts and guys like Justin Turner at the top part of your lineup who can bump those guys down. But, you know, this Dodgers lineup, man, is definitely going to be a juggernaut. I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with Ben on this one. I'm, I mean, as much as I want to say the Braves are going to win and we'll keep this sweep, keep our sweeps going, I mean, it definitely is not going to happen like that. It's going to be a hard 
tough, you know, it's going to be a tough fought out series. It's going to be all about who swings the bat better. I feel like, you know, I feel like Ian Anderson's certified himself as the ace. That's who I'd personally throw against Kershaw and let Kyle Wright go up against Bueller. Bueller's been hittable, you know, so I've, I mean, sorry, Max Freed go against Bueller. Bueller's been very hittable. And, you know, I feel like throwing Freed out there would give us our best opportunity. I think it was huge, too, that both these teams, you know, have this rest. So both teams are going to have time to rest up. And, you know, in the Dodgers bullpen, too. I mean, Jansen looks shaky, man, in a couple of those. He games. does. I mean, their bullpen did not look shut down like that. But realistically, if the Kyle Wright, we can get the Kyle Wright we got at the end of the season to pitch for us again, I love the Braves' chances. In his last three outings this season, he gave up um, against the Mets. He threw six innings at six strikeouts, gave up no runs. He gave up one hit, actually. Then against the Red Sox, he gave up two earned runs on two hits, four strikeouts and six and two-thirds innings. Then he pitched six innings against the Marlins, struck out seven, only gave up three hits and no runs. I mean, he's not walking people like he used to. I mean, if Kyle Wright can come out here and pitch the way he has, I love the Braves' chances. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. And obviously, two out of those three starts are against teams that weren't very, uh, you know, weren't that great this year, the Mets and the Red Sox. But, you know, to be honest, it doesn't really matter. When you're as young as you are as Kyle Wright, it does not matter who you face. A quality start to quality start to confidence has got to be, uh, you know, sky high for him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, you, you know, you've mentioned, uh, and you're right, the Dodgers have a gauntlet of a lineup, probably the best lineup in baseball, I would say. Um, but I gotta be honest, their pitching should not scare the Braves at all. Not at Walker Buehler, who Walker Buehler, who is a talented pitcher, throws very hard, good breaking stuff. The Braves have seen him before. We all know what Acuna did to him. Acuna launched a ball in the postseason that still hasn't landed against Buehler. And then you know what? Game <laughs> game two, you get Clayton Kershaw, who's Clayton Kershaw in the postseason. He's been pretty good, but there is still that monkey on his back. Um. You know, the difference with, you know, Walker Bueller's had a little command issue so far. Clayton Kershaw like won't blisters. really walk any. Yeah, he's de- he is dealing with blisters. And, you know, for the people listening that are maybe not baseball fans, that is an injury. Uh, that It does not go away. I mean, he's going to need an entire offseason. Um, so we'll see. And then Kershaw, he's not going to walk anybody. The Braves are really going to have to earn um, their way on base for him. But like you said, if the Braves can keep their walks down from their pitchers, they absolutely have a chance because I believe the Braves can hit anybody. Hey, I love the, I love it right there, Ben. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, let's uh, talk about Game 7 tonight before we jump into football. We'll talk about that one real quick here for you guys. Um, who do you think is going to win tonight? I mean, Game 5. It's basically a Game 7, though, if it were to be basketball. Um, it's the New York Yankees versus the Rays. we got Glasnow and Cole both going up against each other in short rest. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so like you said, short rest. Cole's pitching on four days rest. Um, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Glass now is on three days rest. That's a little bit more of a problem. Yankees got four runs off Glass now in game two. Um, obviously, the Yankees should be favorites. I mean, you, you don't pay someone that much money in Garrett Cole and expect him to lose. I mean, this is why he's in pinstripes to win games like this. I mean, I think the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are favored. I think they should be favored. I got. I'm. I mean, this series has really seen a lot of runs. Um, I think if the Rays can get four or five out of glass now, giving up two or less, I think that's what they kind of need from him. That bullpen, I know it's been used a little bit. It's still so strong for the Rays. Um, and the Yankees bullpen has been pretty strong, you know, all season. But it's had some t- it's had some tipping points. Um mm-hmm. Uh, it was a game uh, – the game the – was a game three they got lit up? Yeah, they the blew game, out. Yeah, I mean, out. so, you know, with Garrett Cole in the hill, it's really tough to bet against him. Um, I think the Yankees should be favored – or they are favored. I think they should be favored. See, I think the Rays are going to come at it with a little bit of their we're being disrespected kind of mindset. You know, Cole did strike out back-to-back batters with the bases loaded back in game, mm-hmm. game one when he pitched, you know. The Rays have seen Cole a good bit of times. I mean, the Yankees have seen Glasnow. Glasnow just throws the ball so fast, and when you have that home run power, the Yankees are going to connect and hit some out. I think this game's easily going to go over. Um, kind of like you, though, I would have to lean towards the Yankees here. But at the same time, you know, Tampa Bay's playing the we're being disrespected card. We can hit the ball. You know, we can do this. We can do that card. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Rays came out here and won this game. I'm just going to go with the Yankees and go with the experience. But, I mean, it's going to be a tight one. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm not betting on a winner in this game. I took the over. So that tells you yeah, all I took, to think about how tight I think it's going to be. Yeah, I took the over as well. I got it over seven. Um, 
I think you have it over seven and a half. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, this is really, I mean, you want to see a meltdown on Twitter. If Garrett Cole doesn't pitch the way Yankees fans expect him to pitch, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's got no choice but to pitch well. But listen, that is why you go to the bright lights of New York, and that's why you want to put the pinstripes on. The pressure, I think Garrett Cole lives for that kind of stuff. I think he knew what kind of pressure the Yankees fans and organization uh, were going to have on his shoulders. This is why he wanted to come to York. This is why they paid him. It's just time to go prove it. Yeah, no. See, I'm I'm exactly with you on that one right there, Ben. I mean, if you're going to pay him the money, he's got to come out and prove it. Prove it. If this is if you're Garrett Cole, this is your time to prove to everyone you're the best pitcher in baseball. Defend your name. Put down your name. Real quick, though, before we finally get into football here, I want to say this real quick. How about those Astros, man? I mean, all season long, they pretty much said, let's get to the playoffs, let's get to the playoffs. I mean, they played the best motivational card I've ever seen when you get the playoffs. They pretty much said, look, we're that good. We're being disrespected here. No one's giving us a single chance. We're the same team. We've been there before and done it before. I'm be honest with you. I think they're going to turn around and win the AL no matter who wins this series. I think the Astros have the bats. I feel like that they're playing pissed off, like it's us against the world type of card. And I mean, they don't have any other fans in the stands, so I feel like the fact they're playing it's the us against the world card and just the way they've been swinging the bats. I feel like they feel like that they're the Astros that have gotten that cheated and went to those World Series. They're the Astros that are the world champions, even though they cheated. You know, I feel like that's the Astros team we're seeing, and I think they're going to dispose of whoever gets there. I'm actually on the opposite. I think the winner of the Rays and Yankees, um, I, I think they beat the Astros. Um, I, you know, the Astros, like, you know, everyone hates them, you know, for good reason, but they still have that lineup. You know, I know Altuve was awful all season long, but it's still Jose Altuve. It's still a guy who was, I think he's got an MVP. Yeah, it's still, he, yeah, it, he did. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they still have as much as you hate them. You, I mean, you're fooling yourself if you're going to say that Bregman, Altuve, Springer, Correa, they're not good hitters. They are, they're studs. They are studs. I don't care what Altuve's average says. The dude can hit. My worry my worry with the Ashes is I don't think their pitching can match up at all against the Rays or the Yankees. I mean, which the Yankees starting pitching is not even like that great outside yeah, of Garrett Cole. one pitcher, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have, Gar- you have Garcia, who's a rookie, Phenom. He didn't pitch that well in his one chance. Tanaka oh. looks like Tanaka looks like he's not going to be a Yankee after this year. Um, but the Rays, player. yeah, he did. And the Rays, though, I mean, they tried out there Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, and Tyler Glass now. You match that up if they beat the Yankees against what the Astros can put out there, and it's nowhere close. I, I think... I think the pitching is going to hurt the Astros. Listen, the teams that the Astros had beaten, they're better than them. I mean, I know that the Twins were great in the regular season. They're, they're not better than the playoffs, man. 18 they are losses cursed. in a row. And the A's just don't seem to get it. When they make the playoffs, they don't seem to get it. The A's are a great story. Everyone roots for the A's. They're not, they're not as – I mean, they lost Matt Chapman. They lost their best player. Like, mm-hmm. the Astros are better than them, and they proved it. I don't think the Astros are – close to as good as the Rays or Yankees. I don't know, man. I feel like it's the hot hand is what wins in the postseason. We watched the Giants do it with those kind of teams multiple times. But, hey, it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out. We're It's going to be game after game after game. They start playing on Sunday. The uh, NL doesn't start playing till Monday. So we're excited to see what happens there. But it's time, guys, to get into the football. But first, we'll do what I forgot to do last week, which is recap how we did. So... We're going back to two weeks ago here to recap. Um, I'm not going to tell you all the picks just to save a little bit of time here, but on college football, I was 1-1-1, one, one, and one, and I went 2-4 and four on the NFL. But on the picks I did put on my Twitter and Instagram, I did profit. So there's that. Ben killed college football going 3-0. and oh. He went 1-4 and four in the NFL. So, I mean, that's not horrible, but we did end up profiting on our picks that we actually put out. Um over here now for last week. So last week we had UGA Auburn. We both took Auburn plus seven, which was our only loser. We both had the Yikes. under as well, which was a winner. Yeah, big loser on Auburn. I mean, I watched the first two drives and I, I texted Ben and said, "Yeah, we lost this one." Um, Texas A&M and Alabama. We both had Texas, or we both had Alabama one half, and then I had Alabama full game minus eighteen. Both won easily. We didn't play anything on Oklahoma Iowa State, which was honestly smart because we both would have lost. Um, the Bills Raiders, we both had Bills minus three, winner. Um, Patriots in Kansas City is a no play just because of the circumstances and how everything changed. We recorded on Friday. Of course, the news came out about an hour after we dropped the podcast. 
And then the last one is the Colts Bears, and we both took the under. So we I was three and one in college football. Ben was two and one. Uh, we both went two and zero on the NFL. Five and one for me. Four and one for Ben. So we did great last week. And you know what, guys, we're back hopefully to uh, do the exact same thing for y'all once again. Um, let's go ahead and get things started with the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, Red River, whatever you want to call it these days. <laughs> I like the Red River shootout personally because there's no defense played in this game. Current line is the over-under is at 72, and Oklahoma is a two-point favorite here. This game is played on a neutral site in Dallas. What are you thinking, Ben? Love this rivalry. Um, I've always loved it. I always think of the Sam Bradford uh, versus Colt McCoy days. Those were legendary. I mean, I have been wrong about Oklahoma all season long. Um I, I really don't know who is to blame. I don't know if Lincoln Riley can't figure something out. I don't know if it's the inexperience with Spencer Rattler. I'm going to say it's that. Um, Ellinger, or Ellinger has played very well in this series. This is going to be his fourth shot at Oklahoma. He is one and two so far. Um, I think you brought the stat, I think, when we did the first Texas game of the year about Tom Herman as an underdog. Yep. Which is exactly why I'm going to pick Texas. I'm so tired of Oklahoma failing me. So, of course, they're probably going to win. Um, I'm not going to have a play on this game, as of right now at least. I'm not. Um, but I would take Texas plus the points. Hey, Ben, I am right there with you. So the exact numbers is Tom Herman is 15-2-1 against the spread, covering by an average of 13.8 points per game in the underdog role since 2015, and that's with Houston and Texas. Then when he's at Texas, he is 10-2 against the spread since joining the Longhorns in the underdog role. Now, with all that being said, I personally am playing nothing on a side. I would lean towards Texas. There's no way I can play Oklahoma. I really haven't liked at all what I saw out of Spencer Rattler, and I personally thought he was going to be a freak. I mean, have not liked what I've seen out of him. A lot of careless turnovers. I mean, Oklahoma's defense, defense is trash. Like you said, Ellinger's played well in this series. That's the only way I could go with that one. If it ticks up to three, I will pull the trigger on Texas plus three. I will say that, though. Um, another thing, though, too, here is Texas has covered six of the last seven times they've played against the spread. But when you think about these two teams, they're the exact same team. High-powered offense and no defense. You know what that means, Ben? Over. Let's take the over. I am playing the over at 72. You might say that's a little high scoring. I mean, both these teams, you know what they're going to do. They're going to throw the ball all over each other. There'll be a turnover or two in this game. I think they get over it easily. I just think it's going to take 45 to 56 points to win this game. Wouldn't even be shocked if they went to overtime like a couple years ago. I think it's. I think you name the score. That's how high scoring it's going to be. I like the over a lot. And I want to go back to a point that you just made about Spencer Rattler real quick. Um, in the last two weeks, so that is – Iowa State two weeks ago, and um, who did Oklahoma just lose? Uh, Kansas, Kansas State. State. Yep. Um, he has made, and I, I went back and watched it. I've mm -hmm. counted three times in the last two games that Spencer Rattler has made a mistake that even I, who has never played a down of football in his life, even though you're not supposed to do. He has rolled right out of the pocket and has thrown left over the middle of the field, and guess what? Out of those three times he's done it, two of them have been interceptions. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what he's even thinking. If the play is not there, you either run it with your legs or you throw the ball away and give your mm -hmm. offense another chance. I, I, I can't watch him make these same mistakes over and over again. He's done it twice, and they've lost twice because they were both in the fourth quarter. It's inexcusable to lose to Kansas State. It's inexcusable to lose to Iowa State. And Iowa State's not a bad football program. It's not even close to Oklahoma. It's not close to the talent that's on the field that Oklahoma can put on the field versus Kansas State and Iowa State. It's inexcusable. So that's why I would play with Texas, even hey, though I, they just lost too. Hey, the only, the only thing I want to say, Ben, is the only way you can make that throwback across your body is if you are the baddest man in football, which is Patrick Mahomes. He's about the only player in this earth that you feel okay with them making that throwback across their body when they're moving the other way. So that's Maybe Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. He's a bad man. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, though, is so good at this point. Do whatever you want, A-Rod, you know? Um, let's go here now to our next game and our next one up. I mean, we do it every week. We got to talk about the UGA game and Tennessee comes into Athens as a 12 and a half point underdog. The total is set at 43. 
Um, we'll say this. We should have made this disclaimer before. It's going to be very rainy, very humid, um, crazy wind and everything. Um, I mean, Ben, what are you thinking about this one, man? Yeah. So um, as of right now, it's about a 50 to 60% chance rain in Athens. Um, speaking to some people that are currently living in Athens, it's, it's, it is supposed to be raining and ugly. Um, I would say, you know, if you want to place a bet on this game, I would wait just a little bit longer to make sure that 50% does not drop. I don't expect it to drop. It is supposed to be ugly. Um, this is a really good matchup, I think. I mean, they're both teams are undefeated. Both teams have a different style of play from a year ago. Um, obviously, Georgia's got an entirely new quarterback. And Tennessee, wow, Tennessee. Um, I believe Eric Gray is the leading rusher in the SEC currently. Um, the QB's playing mistake-free football right now. Tennessee currently has the uh, – it's kind of a stat that doesn't matter and it's misinterpreted, but they do have the longest uh, winning streak right now. Um, is it in the country or SEC? I know it's one of them. I think it's like eight games they're up to right now. It doesn't really mean anything because they don't play meaningful football late in the season, um, but it's still impressive. I think Pruitt is continuing to uh, get these guys' confidence up, building a monster. And I, th I think I said this last week with the addition of Cade Mays, um, Tennessee's offensive linemen are now four out of the five guys are former five stars. I think that's big. I don't mm -hmm. think Tennessee's had as good of a line as they have right now in a long time. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I think Cade Mays is returning to Athens. Um, that's going to be an interesting matchup because Georgia's edge, edge rushers, edge rushers are straight up phenomenal. I mean, Nolan Smith has been great ever since he stepped on campus and uh, Aziz, number 13, has looked very, very good for Georgia rushing the passer. It's going to be a trenches game. It always is in the SEC. Is Tennessee going to be able to run the football on this Georgia team? Um, you know, Jared uh, – how do you pronounce his last name? Garantano. Yeah, Garantano. Whatever his name is. He ain't <laughs> going to win this game for Tennessee with, with just his arm. They're going to have to run the football. I don't think Georgia is going to give up that many rushing yards to Eric Gray and company. Um, but I do think this is going to be a game that um, Bennett is really going to have to prove himself. Auburn did not force him to do that much. Um, I think Tennessee will force him to do a little bit more. And Tennessee won't have um, breakdowns and protection like Auburn did. Auburn's offensive line looks awful. 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 I mean – I, I, I do recommend everyone looking up Jordan Rogers uh, works for SEC Network. He did a breakdown of the protection. I mean, he was having a field day of how bad Auburn has looked on the offensive line. Tennessee won't have those breakdowns. So let's see if Georgia can get that pressure. Um, I think with the rain, my play is going to be the under. Yeah, um, I'm actually in agreement with Ben on that one. Same trend we used last week. It's now 0-15-2 to the under in a home or neutral sites where the total is lower than 60 for Georgia. So that one's in play for us. Tennessee's also six of their last seven games have gone to the under. Um, my only thing that's keeping me from pulling the trigger on Georgia minus 12.5 and, and the first half minus 7 is the fact that we have horrible weather here. And the fact that, you know, Tennessee's got a good defense, man. It's a look-ahead spot for Alabama. You know, this is kind of a sandwich game between Georgia. You had a huge game against Auburn last week. Now you have a huge game this week. I mean, I still think it's a pretty big game against Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's no oh, yeah. slouch. This is probably the best team Tennessee's had in 10 years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a rivalry game. And then you got Alabama on deck. It just feels like if the Georgia were to kind of no-show, if there were to be a backdoor cover or something, it would happen here. And, I mean, honestly, I could see Tennessee going for a backdoor cover just because they've had such little success in big games. They're going to want that score to read as good as it possibly can. So, you know, when the committee's looking back through at the end of the season, they might get a bump to a little bit bigger bowl game. I mean, Pruitt's trying everything he can here. Tennessee's very impatient with their coaches. So, there's really no way I can play the side in this game. I mean, to me, it'd have to be it's Georgia or pass. I can't play Georgia. There's too many question marks, but I absolutely love the under. And if it is raining and horrible weather, I will be upgrading this to my first max bet of college football season. So, And and for Tennessee's defense, keep an eye on linebacker number 11, Henry Tooto. Um, former five-star, was committed to Alabama for a long time and then flipped to Tennessee. Started as a true freshman, was great. Looks even better now. He's that type of linebacker that you see just dominate the SEC. He's the guy that can go sideline to sideline with anyone. He's got the speed, and he's a physical tackle uh, tackle machine. He wraps you up, and he can hit you hard. That's going to be a matchup in the um, 
in the trenches and outside to watch a number 11, the dude could be all over the field. Hey, that's a good one to point out for Ben. I'll make sure to keep my eyes peeled for that one. Um, we got a, By the way, that was a, was a ranked matchup right there. Georgia's number four, uh, three in the nation. Tennessee's number 14, so keep an eye out for that one. Next one gives us another ranked matchup, and that's number 19 Virginia Tech versus number 8 UNC. I mean, hey, it feels good, man. My ACC's got two big-time matchups this week. Um, this currently is going to be played at 12 o'clock on ABC. UNC is a 3.5-point favorite. The total is at 57.5. Um, this is another one where I got to warn y'all before. There's a possibility of light of a uh, light rain and um, high winds. Um, what are you thinking about this one, Ben? Yeah, like you just said, there is another thunderstorm in the forecast of this one. That's going to be a trend of kind of the games we talk about. Um, the last time these two teams played, um, unbelievable, just classic of a game. It went to six overtimes. Mm-hmm. That Virginia Tech ended up winning. Um, this is the toughest test that Virginia Tech has seen so far. Um, the Hokies have run the ball very, very well. They ran it all over Duke and uh, NC State. I don't think they're going to be able to run all over UNC like they did those two teams. UNC is uh, a lot better than NC State and Duke this year. I think this is a close game um, you know, due to the weather, but I do like UNC to come on top um, and to cover this game. I, I, I don't really have that much confidence um, in the pass attack from Virginia Tech so far, and I really like UNC secondary. Um, this game's in Chapel Hill, I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, I, I I do think I'm going to take this one, and I'm going to take UNC uh, minus three and a half. So I actually wanted to hammer UNC minus three and a half, but then I dug a little bit deeper on this game. Virginia Tech's won six of the last seven games straight up in ATS at UNC, and or just against them in general. Um, another thing that worries me about this one is UNC, their top three defensive backs are all out for the season now and an offensive lineman, so that doesn't bode well for them. But here's where it starts to scare me. Virginia Tech was one of the most COVID-ridden teams in the nation, and they were still able to win both games they played with missing a lot of people, including their starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker, who will be back for this game. This was the game last year where Hooker seemed to get things going against UNC. Look, I'm personally a huge UNC backer. I think that I picked him to go to the Final Four before the season started for crying out loud. I mean, I'm 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 going to stick it here and say the Tar Heels pull this one out in a tight one. I'm just not making a bet on this one personally. The line opened at 5.5 and, and has been hammered all the way down to 3.5. I just feel like Virginia Tech's got so much back that like we really don't – I mean, they've been so impressive too with what they've been missing. You know what I mean? So like, we really don't know – what kind of Virginia Tech team we're going to get in college football when there's uncertainty. I'd rather not bet than force anything. Therefore, I'm sitting this one out. But this was a game that I really wanted to bet. I will say that. Yeah, honestly, the line dropping um, doesn't concern me too much. I am a little bit concerned about the secondary, but they have looked good. Um, So I'm curious to see the adjustment that UNC can make. I just don't know if – I like the power – not the power, the firepower that UNC um, possesses on offense. Um, I, I, I don't even think the rain necessarily will – I think you just get the ball to your playmakers. Let the playmakers make plays. Yeah, no, I I agree with you completely. Honestly, like, I think UNC is such a stacked-up offense and everything. And, two, you know, they had a bad showing last week only because they didn't play for two weeks because of the COVID and everything. And I think that it was them or their two opponents had COVID scares, so the games got canceled. So, you know, that could be another factor, too. I just feel like that there's so much – uncertainty here but there's no way i'm going against sam howell so i'm sitting this one out but it's gonna be a fun one to watch it's gonna be the one on my big on my big screen when they kick off at 12 o'clock best believe that um next game up is another ranked matchup including our first top 10 matchup of or no our second top 10 matchup of the season that would be the clemson tigers with miami on the road number seven miami number one clemson spread is currently a miami plus 15 and the over-under is set at 62. I'll start us off with this one. So, honestly, y'all know me. Y'all know we've been listening to these podcasts. I've been the guy rocking with Miami. Ben's been the guy rocking against Miami all season long. <laughs> um, look, I'm, I'm a little slow to rock with Miami here. Miami's 1-5 ATS their last six times versus Clemson. Look, I think Clemson's going to come out here and try to embarrass them, to be honest with you. There's also weather concerns, once again, with this game. 
But I really think that, you know, De'Aaron King and Miami hasn't played anyone yet. Their defense, I mean, they get they scored so many 70, they had three 75-yard touchdowns against Louisville and gave up over 400 yards of offense. I mean, Florida State, I wouldn't even, I mean, you got to throw that game out the window. I really don't know what we're going to get from Miami. There's too many question marks for me. I personally think that Dabo is going to look at this game and say, look, everybody says we don't play anybody all season long. They're even going to say Miami's overrated. Let's go out. Let's beat the brakes off of them and remind everybody who the number one team in college football is. I think Clemson comes out and makes a statement. And I think they keep this game under. I think the weather will be a factor. I think Clemson keeps the ball on the ground with ETN and with Lawrence. I think that... My, you know, there might be some turnovers that could hurt us, but I just feel like 62 is too many points, man. I got to stick with the under here. Miami is tied with Alabama for the for the most wins against the number one team. Wow. They've done it not. They've done it nine times. They've done it nine okay. times in program history. That number will not increase to ten on this given <laughs> Saturday. Um, Miami is in good shape, though. I, um. I, I mean, I'll admit, I, I was wrong. I mean, they look good. Like you said, they haven't necessarily played anyone that good, but as bad as Miami was last year, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I think Clemson's too much. I'm not going to have a play on this game. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I was wrong. I mean, I, I love De'Aaron King. I think he's a stud. I just didn't think one player could change this much, but he really has. Um, and actually, an underrated thing that no one really talks about is they got um, defensive end transfer – uh, I believe his name is Jaden Phillips from UCLA. He yeah. was like the number one prospect at a high school. Kind of didn't really get talked about that much because UCLA has been awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but he transferred to Miami, and their pass rush looks good. I mean, they're getting pressure. Can they do it against Clemson? Well, I guess we'll find out on Saturday. Um, you know, Clemson's going to win. I have no – I mean, I – well, I can't even speak today. I got a lot of confidence Clemson will win this game. That's a lot of points um, for the spread, but – I'm not going to have anything on this game, but I think Clemson rolls with ease. Yeah, I agree with you. I lead, I lean to Clemson in this game, personally not playing anything. I do feel very confident in that under, though. I think Clemson's defense, plus Clemson got one of their best defensive ends back. And one other thing I was going to say, I think it was the combination of De'Aaron King and then bringing in Rhett Lashley, you know, who kind of yeah. runs an offense that King would thrive in. So I feel like they have the perfect marriage finally. I feel like Miami finally figured something out, at least. Um, let's move now to the last of our college football games before we go over to NFL. We did. We decided to do five college football games this week. There's pretty good matchups across the board. The NFL is very lacking this week. Lots of huge spreads. So this is our last last ranked matchup of the week. It's number four Florida on the road going to College Station to face number 21 Texas A&M. I think I know what you're playing with this one, Ben. It scares me a little bit because we all are. But the Gators are a six point road favorite. The over under set at 58. What are you doing? I mean. Texas A&M is going to Texas A&M, right? They beat, mm-hmm. they beat the teams that are okay and bad, and they look real, real bad against everyone else. Um, here's what I want to say about Florida. And Florida, by the way, did get jumped by Georgia by one spot. Florida was number three last week mm-hmm. in the country. Now they're number four. Here's the thing. I'm, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, so I'm going to set the record straight. Um, Kyle Trask has looked very, very good. Very good. I'm very impressed with what he's showing. I'm not in that impressed with what Florida as a team has necessarily shown yet. Now, let me get into that. Their defense has looked awful. And, but when I say awful, I mean really, really bad. They, I mean, I know that Ole Miss is a high-powered offense. We'll see how you know my Crimson Tide does against them. Bama's still going to beat them by 20. Florida gave up over 400 total yards to Ole Miss. If Alabama gives up that amount of yardage, Nick Saban will have a uh, player killed, and he'll get away with it too. That's that's unacceptable to give up how many yards his Florida defense has given up so far. It really doesn't surprise me that they've made no, no adjustments. Dan Mullen has never cared about defense. He's an offensive coach. Todd Grantham needs to make an adjustment. He's a good defensive coordinator. I have not seen an adjustment yet. That's the bad with Florida. The good that I've seen is Kyle Pitts. Is, I mean, uh, uh, Kyle Pitts. Trask. Are you talking about the tight Who's end the, or the QB? The tight end. The tight yeah, it's end. Pitts. Kyle, Kyle Pitts has looked unbelievable. He is that hybrid tight end that we're kind of seeing, kind of like the Evan Ingram, as fast as a wide receiver, but a little too big to play receiver, so they put him down at tight end. He's a matchup nightmare. Can Jimbo adjust? Probably not. Will Kellerman play well? Probably, uh, and he has no help. He's had no help at A&M his, almost his entire time there. I, I, I still kind of like Kellen Mott. 
I like the dual threat quarterbacks. I, I Florida is just their offense is too much. I don't think A and M can stop anything. Um, and I'm looking for that Kyle Kyle connection again. Kyle Pitts has six touchdowns this year already, something like that. Um, and Trask has looked good. The Heisman talk, though. I mean, come on, people. We're in week what four, three, whatever, whatever week we're in. Technically I don't care week about six. It. Whatever. I'm way off. <laughs> The Heisman talk is way too early, okay? Let uh, Trask face a good defense, and if he plays well, then I'll consider him that good of a quarterback. Until then, he's just putting up good numbers, and it's fine. He looks good. Congratulations. Play someone quality. You've played Ole Miss. has one of the worst defenses in the SEC. Not, let's just not even count Vandy and Missouri. They're, they're awful. Ole Miss can, can't ever play defense. Then you get South Carolina. South Carolina is not very good. I can't believe Muschamp still has a job, to be honest with you. Hey, he's going to must so, win this weekend. He is. and I, Well, isn't he playing Vandy this week? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if yeah. he doesn't beat Vandy yeah. this week, they might go oh, and they might not win a game this year. He might not be allowed back on the team bus. But anyway, Florida, I mean, they're playing Texas A&M this week. Look what Alabama's offense, who, I get it, they're a juggernaut, but Florida's offense looks pretty darn good, too. I mean, I'm expecting the same from Florida. High-powered offense. They give it up a lot of yards because that's what they've shown so far. Yeah, um, I'm expecting the same thing. Look, I think this will scares me a little bit because I haven't talked to a single person this weekend that hasn't told me they love Florida minus six. But honestly, I think we're catching a good number here. Florida is 7-1 ATS and straight up in their last eight conference games. I mean, like you said, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. Our beast. I mean, I think Florida can do pretty much what Alabama did last week to, to Texas A&M and go up and down the field. I think Texas A&M will have a chance to back Doris, but the fact that it's six and not seven makes me feel a little bit better than that. Like you said, defense has been trash, but I think Florida will make some adjustments this week. Also, I don't not crazy scared of Texas A&M's offense. I think Florida should be able to cover the spread on this one. I am playing this one at minus six. Did you did you say you're taking anything in this one? Um, I did not yet, but I am now. What are you taking? I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Florida minus six. I'm not gonna take the Clemson game at all. Um, so I am gonna take okay. the Florida minus six. Perfect. So a little recap real quick before we move to NFL. I took the over in Texas Oklahoma. Ben took nothing. We both took the under in Georgia and Tennessee. Um, we I didn't take anything for Virginia for Virginia Tech and UNC. Are you still playing the three and a half? I am still gonna do the UNC. Yep. Okay. Ben's taking UNC minus three and a half. Um, I took the under in Clemson, Miami. He didn't take anything. We then we both took Florida, so that's our agreement right there for y'all. So we agreed on two, then we both each had one or didn't. So got some good bets in there right there for y'all. Now let's move over here to the NFL. So it was very tough to pick games this week in the NFL, I'm not going to lie. There's no way I was going to waste y'all's time talking about the Panthers and the Falcons <laughs> or that I was even going to waste my time. Pick or the my... Panthers, people. Pick yeah. the Panthers. Yeah, pick the Panthers with every dollar you got, for crying out loud. Anyway, we'll start off here with probably, honestly, I mean, I think this is the best matchup there is on the entire card this week. That would be the Indianapolis Colts on the road to play the Cleveland Browns. The number on this game is currently, let's see here what the current number is. Got to make sure there's no move. Um, it is Indianapolis um, as the two and a half point. Oh, wow. It moved back to a pick em, So it's at a pick em right now. And um their total is set at 47 and a half what are you doing with this one ben yeah it did drop from the colts being favored to a pickup because left tackle for the colts is now going to be out and so is uh middle linebacker uh, darius leonard he's also going to be out so those are pretty big losses i, I want to focus on the left tackle um being out for a little bit because it's really significant for this matchup miles garrett lines up on that left side a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of the time so i'm gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how the colts can adjust let's see if they put a tight end to kind of help that backup left tackle with garrett i mean garrett miles garrett has been very very good ever since he's been drafted he just got that big contract and he's earned it um so that's gonna be an interesting matchup the browns god the browns are what three and one is that mm -hmm. what they are they're playing good football um i still don't have that much confidence in baker mayfield Last, you know, last week they got a touchdown out of Jarvis Landry thrown to Odell that had nothing to do with Baker. Um, I, I don't have a play on this right now because I was leaning with the Browns, but I, I don't know if I can really trust them. Four and one, 
me saying the Browns are going to go four and one just sounds weird. And I don't think I want to put my money on the Browns going four and one is literally never happened in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, not even been close in my 22 years. So for now I'm going to stay off this, but I am interested to see uh, if you have a play on this. Yeah, so I actually have a play on the total and not a side. And, you know, for reasons Ben said, I definitely can't play a side. We'll say this. Here's some stats for y'all. Indianapolis 8-1 and straight up their last nine games against Cleveland. They are also 5-0 and on the road playing against Cleveland. Like you said, though, big injuries, huge losses for Indianapolis. Um, look, I think the under is the pretty obvious play here in this game. Yes, I do know that right now the Browns are, I mean, that they're without their left tackle, which honestly helps out for the under. But, I mean, without Darius Leonard, he still missed three games last year. And, I mean, this defense is pretty good. In the NFL, you got to be able to play without one player at least. The Colts are 0-9, as in nine unders, when they're looking ahead to an AFC North meeting the next game, which they have on deck next game is an AFC North meeting. So that meets the criteria right here. But that's not the only reason why I'm playing this. Cleveland with Stefanski has been a run-dominant team. All Stefanski has wanted to do is ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. Nick Chubb's out. Kareem Hunt's still questionable, and he's banged up. They're going to have to go with a rookie. It's I think it's like Dustin Johnson or something. I don't even know his name. Something D. Johnson. That's what we'll call him since I, I know for a fact that's his name. But that's who they're going with at running back this week. Look, I think the Colts, they're the best run defense in the NFL. They're going to stack the box up here, and they're going to make Baker beat them with their arm, which he's not going to be able to. On the flip side of things, Phillip Rivers looks like he's shot putting the freaking ball out there. The Browns have a good defense. Like you said, they should be able to get to Rivers. I think they'll keep it on the ground with Jonathan Taylor. I think the under hits just as safely as it did last week in that 19-13 to game they played with the Bears. <laughs> I think we cash this under without a problem. Yeah, I mean, the Colts have kind of had a weird season. Um, you know, losing to Jacksonville in the week one, but now they look pretty good, but you're right. Phillip Rivers just doesn't look as good as some people thought he would have. Um, the defense for the Colts, I believe, is number one in football right now. They haven't really played a high-powered offense yet, unless you want to consider the Vikings as in high-powered. Um, I consider the Vikings have a good offense. I don't think they're great, but they are good. That's probably the best offense I think they've played so far. Browns have firepower um, on offense. I, and it, um, I just, you know, without Chubb, that does hurt. Um, is it, It's not Duke Johnson. He's not on Cleveland anymore, is he? No, he's on uh, He's on the the Texans now. I'll get his name okay. while I keep talking. Um, yeah, so the under is definitely not a bad play. Um, you're right. The Colts defense should be fine just for that one player. Um, and the Browns, you know, they've added some pieces. They just got Ronnie Harrison um, safety, and, and he's, he's looked pretty good for Cleveland. Um, Cleveland as a whole, as the defense has looked great. I'm interested to, uh, you brought up the point that Stefanski likes to do the ground and pound, you know, let's see if he, if he can really adjust. I mean, it's kind of hard to ground and pound without Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. If it's just Kareem Hunt, I mean, you're not going to give him the ball 30 times a game. So I'm interested to see what that kind of looks like for Cleveland. Um, as of now, I don't have a play, but if I were, I, I think I'm going to lean with you on that under. Hey, I like that, Ben. I like the fact that we're in agreement once again. It worked well for us last week and the weeks before. We've done pretty good when we've agreed, besides besides Auburn. That was really our only just far-off one that we both thought the same thing. But it's actually D. Ernest Johnson. He's from South Florida, so that's why neither of us knew who he was. Um, <laughs> if if y'all get that get the joke there, South Florida sucks. <laughs> anyway, um, next game up is our Sunday night game. It is the, it is the Seahawks in primetime. This is the Minnesota Vikings on the road at the Seahawks. This is... Vikings are seven point underdog. The Seahawks are a or yeah, and the over is at fifty eight. Almost said the same thing twice. Um, anyway, I'm gonna start us off with this one. I'm gonna say this. I'm throwing all trends and angles out the window for this one. Look, there's so many. You can play the Seahawks in prime time. I saw so many play against the Seahawks in this situation. And everything. I'm gonna go purely based off of stats. Both these teams have no defenses whatsoever. No defenses. They rank both in the bottom half of the league. I mean, when you think about the Seahawks, realistically, they are very fortunate to... I mean, they basically stopped the Patriots on the goal line. I mean, they basically picked off Dak in the end zone to beat the Cowboys. I mean, even against the Falcons, they let the Falcons march up and down the field. I mean, I don't think the Seahawks, as a seven-point favorite, is ever a good bet. I don't care what that Seahawks in primetime thing is. Usually those games in primetime were pretty close spreads, like way under that. They, most of them were – they were averaging, I believe, it was like 3.9 points on the spread for that Seahawks in primetime trend. So I'm throwing everything out the window here. Personally, I'm probably not going to play anything just because weather is a huge question because 
I like the over personally. The overs hit seven of the last times these two teams have met. Like I said, there's no defense here. We know both teams can throw the ball around. It's also Kirk Cousins in prime time, and Kirk Cousins plays worse in prime time and do there than he does at one o'clock. One o'clock is Kirk Cousins' best time because he has a schedule that he does everything at. So one o'clock is the most perfect time for him to play a game. He's like sixty-six percent against the spread at one o'clock, thirty-three percent against the spread the rest of the time. There's a fun little stat for y'all. So therefore. I'm probably not touching anything in this game unless the if the but if the weather is good, I'm taking the over for sure. TP, what have we done every single week with the Vikings? Have we bet on them or have we bet against them? We bet against them. So why would I stop now? I love it. I mean, listen, Russell Wilson for the first couple of weeks was looking unbelievable, and he still is. He's looking like an MVP, finally getting get some votes, and now he's got some major competition with Rodgers and Josh Allen. Uh, a couple other guys in there, but I think I actually want it to rain. I do. I want this game to be ugly weather. And I think Russell Wilson is going to get that MVP talk back up. This is a great matchup for him to just dominate. It really is. The Vikings, like we have said every single week, and it's the reason why we bet against them every single week, have no secondary. Okay? What are the Seahawks' strengths right now? How good does Tyler Lockett how good does Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf look right now with that Russell Wilson connection, right? Unreal. I I am gonna wait on this. I do um wanna see the weather just a little bit, even though I just referenced I don't care about the weather. I'm gonna see if the line changes a little bit, but I, I'm playing the Seahawks. For right now, it's minus seven. I am gonna play whatever the number's at because I believe in Russell Wilson and I do not believe in Kirk Cousins in primetime games. He is a totally different quarterback in primetime. Looks like he like sees – I don't want to quote Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold here, but Kirk Cousins sees ghost. <laughs> hey, I kind of like that too. Um, I'm also not sure if Daniil Hunter is back or not, but, you know, I'm on the same boat as you, man. If I was forced to make a play in this one, I would lean towards the under. I mean, oh, Daniil Hunter is not going to play in this game, so they're still going to be without him, which should be huge. But I agree with you. If I had to play something in this game, I'd play the over or the Seahawks. Our final game we got here for this horrible NFL card this week is the Steelers and the Eagles. Um, currently, Pittsburgh is a seven-point home favorite. Your over/under is set at forty-four right now. Um, what are you doing with this one, Ben? Anything? What, what is what is what is going on with Carson Wentz? I mean. Hey, I'll defend Carson Wentz, man. He has no wide receivers, no offensive line, barely even has a run game. I mean, it's literally Carson Wentz out there with a bunch of throwaways. It's just no, these idiot Philadelphia right. fans who are just, you know, letting him have it. If, let's put it this way. If they wanted to get rid of Carson Wentz and we didn't have Matt Ryan, I would gladly take them off his hands. You surround Carson Wentz with a supporting cast like he had the year he won MVP, or shoot, you even ship him off to Indianapolis and let him and Frank Wright get going together, I guarantee you he'd be back to his MVP ways. I'm not going to disagree, but and he has no help. I'm taking a prop bet in this game. Okay. For Carson Wentz for Carson Wentz to throw an interception. Um, the, What's the I, odds? I really, I haven't really checked yet. Uh, I just know that I will be taking that one. Hey, I'll I, take I really that don't. With you. He's going to be throwing interception. This Steelers team is defensively, I think, it's a matchup nightmare for the Eagles. Um, secondary is very talented in Pittsburgh. Edge rushers are some of the best in the league. I mention that almost every week with Bud Dupree and uh, um, the great T.J. Watt. First of all, the Subway commercials with the Watt brothers is fantastic. So funny. I expect him – I expect those two to be in Carson Wentz. I think he's going to have to run around, get outside the pocket um, quite often. I don't think this line's going to – this line, even the offense – we talked about the receivers not having weapons – this offensive line is being beat up by Philly as well. Uh, was it Lane mm-hmm. Johnson that went down again last week? Yep. I think it was him. And I think Kelsey's been a little banged up. So I I just don't like um, – I, I just don't. I, I, I am going to be taking the prop bet for Carson Wentz throwing an interception. Uh, what, what was the line? I missed it. Um, I can't find a line. Seven? It probably won't be out till Sunday for him to throw the. Oh, okay. oh, those in the no, game I meant, is seven. Yeah, yeah, seven. Okay, I as of now, I'm not gonna have a play on it. I do have a play on another game we have not talked about, which I'll get into after you. Hey, um, I am actually going to kind of be the same way as Ben here. No side for me in this one. If I did take anything, I'd probably take the Eagles plus the points. Um. 
I just feel like it's a lot of points here. But, you know, like you said, man, or like I said, they have nobody healthy on this offense. Carson Wentz has nothing around him. I really don't see how he's going to move the ball up and down the field against the steel curtain. There could also be bad weather in the forecast. We know how this bad weather always is. Um, I personally like, I mean, in the oh, and here's the stats for y'all. Eagles covered five of the last six meetings. The unders hit four of the last five. I'm sticking with the under, man. I think this one goes under. I think the Eagles' defense will dig in deep against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will ground and pound. I don't think Philadelphia gets much going on offense. Therefore, I think we end up staying under the total. Yeah, I mean, with weather, you know, the under kind of leans. People kind of lean heavy on that under. It's never a bad play. Um, what I do like this week, and I do want to find it real quick. Mm-hmm. Give me just 10 seconds right here. Um a pick I do like this week that we have not talked about yet um, is the Miami Dolphins. They are, at the, they are at the 49ers. It's plus eight and a half right now. Uh, I actually couldn't like that anymore. Um, the Dolphins are one of the best teams to bet on, whether they're underdogs or eh, they're really never slightly favored. They're just great as an underdog team in covering. Um, I don't have a stat off the top of my head. This is more of a gut reaction. Um, I don't. Do you know if. Uh, Garoppolo's back. I think he's yeah. Not he just back got to... ruled in right he, when we started is... the podcast. Okay, so he is going to be back. I, I really don't think that scares me. He's been out for two weeks. I think the Dol- I think the Dolphins. I like betting on the Dolphins underdogs. I really do. Brian Fitzpatrick is just that dude. I mean, mm-hmm. late in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, they're down 12, 14, whatever touchdown every time. Usually with his legs because it makes no sense. Um, I do like the Dolphins. I don't think we see Tua just yet. Uh, I know, you know, I see some fans on Twitter that are kind of frustrated. He's got no game time, but this is this is the NFL. This is not like you play when when we need you to play. Right now, they don't need Tua to play, so fans need to relax a little bit on him. Ryan Fitzpatrick is just fine. That dude comes out and competes his butt off. They wanted to tank last year to get Tua. Ryan Fitzpatrick said, "F that. We're going to win as many games as we can." And they still got Tua. So I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I like the plus eight and a half against the 49ers. And I think that's going to be my play. Yeah, I'm playing that one as well. I think that one's going to end up being one of my max bets on Sunday. Um, in agreement with you on that one, Ben. I actually do have some stats for that one, but I don't have them in front of me right now. But other than that, I've said my fill for this show, Ben. You got anything else to say before we get up out of here? I think that's all I got. We had a big weekend in sports for us Atlanta people. That's what I'm we finally got the monkey off our back. Of The Falcons are dead to me. I've forgotten they even exist. Um, but other than that, appreciate everyone who tuned in. Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again and breaking everything down with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And can we get these COVID tests out of the NFL? The, the Titans, real quick, is anything going to happen with the Titans? I don't know. They'll probably just find the shit out of everybody if I had to guess. I, it's too early to forfeit a game. Right now, it's too early. That's what I'm saying. That might end up being what happens, but hey, we'll see what happens. But once again, guys, appreciate everyone that tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again next week.